Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We look back at Sebastian Loeb's Rally Spain win and ask if he'll be back for more WRC in 2019. Sebastian Loeb rolled back the years by taking his 79th World Rally Championship event victory and his first since Rally Argentina in May 2013 on the Catalonia Rally last weekend. It shows that at 44, and even with this being only his fifth WRC start since that last win, he has still got it. I'm your host, Ed Stewart, and joining me to discuss Loeb's victory is David Evans. Now, there was a time when Loeb's victories, great as they were, was something of a recurring nightmare for a rallying journalist because it made things so predictable. But this win must have felt very, very different to cover. Absolutely it did, Ed. You know, I think nobody really saw, nobody saw this one coming. You know, we have to have an idea that it could happen. You know, he's Sebastian Loeb and he, and he was in a, a factory Citroen. So there was always the potential for it, but, um, it was, it was unbelievable on Sunday morning, you know, when he, when we saw the stage time starting to come through. Um, and there was a chance that this result was coming. It was, it, it was kind of captivating. Uh, and it was great. Yeah. And, you know, just to to turn the whole thing so far on its head from what was it ten years ago or so when when he was in the middle of that incredible run um, of just winning everything you know he won Rally of Spain eight times on the bounce 
uh, and we got, you know, it became quite dull. Um, and it was, it was a challenge to find a new angle on another Sebastian Loeb victory. Um, but this time it was, you know, he was the story, uh, which is pretty incredible in itself when you think we are in the middle of the closest and most entertaining championship fight for, well, since 2009. Um, and then this, this French guy comes along, trumps all of that and, and writes another story, uh, which I have to say was, was exceptional. It was brilliant. It's certainly true that looking at those old days of low dominance, brilliance can often look like tedium from the outside almost, can't it? It's just one of the, one of the things that the greats can do because they're, they're so strong. But uh, looking at the, the rally itself, Loeb and of course his longtime co-driver Daniel Elena led home Sebastian Auger by 2.9 seconds. But how, how good was this victory? Was it? Good old-fashioned low brilliance, or was there a little bit of luck? Was it a fortuitous win? There was there was an element element of luck. Could we say that? I'm I'm not sure. You know, I think actually it was all just Loeb's brilliance and his experience. Um, there was certainly Friday morning. You know, Friday was the gravel day when they were on on um, rough roads and and loose surfaces all day, and then Saturday Sunday is is the tarmac. Uh, so Loeb had done he'd done a day's testing on the on the loose in Wales. Uh, and then he'd done one day, I think, in Spain. You know, he'd done Mexico earlier this year uh, and, went, and really went very well in Mexico, uh, led the event and then had a puncture. So Friday, we kind of knew that Loeb would be strong because he was running, I think he started 11th on the road. It had been warm and dry, and it's back to the same old story that the road uh, was going to be swept clean. So every car that goes across the surface moves more of the loose gravel and reveals more of a of a of a of a racing line where there's a lot more grip on the on the road. Uh, so he, you know, it, absolutely, he was going to be probably in the optimum place. But equally, there are rocks pulled out by the cars in front, so it's a double-edged sword. Uh, but it gives you more of an advantage. So Friday, his pace was expected, but actually Friday morning it didn't really come. You know, there were still some damp places, and he couldn't really get to come to terms with the harder tire on on the gravel. Uh, and then Friday afternoon, he felt comfortable, and you could see the times were really starting to come. You could see at the end of stages, he was relieved. He was he was getting there. Um, but then, you know, as he said, the difficulty was Friday afternoon, it, everything changed. You know, they, they turned the car around to a, to a, from a gravel car to a tarmac car and he had to learn it all again. And, you know, this guy hadn't driven on tarmac in the rain for six years. Um, and overnight Friday into Saturday, it absolutely poured down. Uh, and it was just about the worst possible conditions to, to come back and, and try and learn a car. Um, again, but he, he just did it absolutely brilliantly and he just used all of his experience not to rush himself, just not to panic, just to pick up the experience and essentially just do his job. Um, and he did it so, so well, you know, by mm, Saturday mid afternoon, he was, he was looking strong and you could see the confidence was coming. Um, but really, I mean, this win came from, from Sunday morning when we got up again, it, it had rained overnight. Uh, and the big question on Sunday morning was how much would the rain continue through the day? Uh, everybody had different, seemed to have different predictions. Um, and Loeb decided that the rain would stop, uh, and it would dry out quite quickly. The, the roads on Sunday are quite a lot more exposed. They're out of the forest. So if you get a good strong wind, they do tend to dry quite quickly. Uh, there's less cutting on them, um, as in that, you know, you don't get as much corner cutting. So the, the road's not as what everybody seems to call now polluted. Uh, so it's not quite as dirty. And he was convinced that he could take the hard tire. Uh, and it was 
when we were in service at seven or eight o'clock in the morning, it was eight or nine degrees. You know, this was not an optimum temperature for that hard tire. But what Lowe did was he went back through all of the data that he'd had from six, seven, eight years ago when he was in the DS3. And he looked at everything that he'd said. He looked at the the working temperatures of the tire. He studied all of this data. And, you know, this is the guy that everybody says, you know, he doesn't do much homework. It just all comes very naturally. He does. You know, he worked his socks off. He studied all of that data and he decided that that hard tire could work. Uh, so 30 seconds or so before the car was going out, the car was sat on its axle stands with the soft, which actually is called the medium tire, the medium compound Michelin tire, ready to go. And Loeb said, no, I've changed my mind. We're going with, with hards. Uh, and, and they bolted some hards on and he was quickest on the first two stages. And nobody, nobody saw that coming. You know, every other driver, Sebastian Ogier was furious that, that nobody had even considered using the hard because everybody else's feeling was that the rain would continue. Uh, and the ambient wouldn't go up enough to actually bring this tyre into work. But Loeb said, you know, he'd looked and he remembered that the tyre, even when it was damp, once you got it warm, it worked. And he trusted himself and he won the rally. And it was that experience and that hard work on the Sunday morning that, that won him the event. So it was experience, I think. You know, undoubtedly there was a bit of luck. There always is in Spain, you know, if you because you cut so many corners on the tarmac. When you pop back up, you're essentially going across a kerb. Um, and the, as you come back up onto the road, it's almost, you know, some of these corners of the road are so sharp. Uh, and that was what did for, for Oik Tanak on the Saturday. He cut a corner and he got um, a split in the inside of the tyre. Uh, and of course, the tyre went straight down uh, and he had to stop and change a puncture. Without that puncture for Tanak, it could well have been a different story because Oit was half a minute up. And, you know, as as we all know, he's in such a good place right now. Uh, he would have been very, very hard to beat um, if if he hadn't had that puncture. So, yeah, you know, Loeb was fortunate that, that Oit had his problem. Um, but certainly when he got into that race, there were six drivers within 16 seconds of the win on, on Sunday morning. Uh, and, you know, Loeb just showed them the way home. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, as, like you say, it's a very competitive season. And for a driver, even of that excellence, to come in and, and still be, you know, notwithstanding right tyre choices and that kind of thing, but also still be quick enough with that to cut it with these guys who are in the car week in, week out. You mentioned how much testing Loeb had had a few days before. I presume he hasn't been in the car a, a, a massive amount this year. Maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong on that. But the fact he's also got enough speed to underpin those good decisions says a lot for him that you know at 44 there's there's still a lot of class there particularly in rallying which is you know it, it's a category where you've, you've got to have your nerve as well you, you have but you know so much you know there's there's a, a, a real kind of analogy a very strange analogy but it, it's it's one that's always worked for me um that a, a, a journalist david williams who who died 10 years ago now, but was one of, if not the world's best journalist, uh, was a huge cricket fan um, as well. And he always made this analogy, which I absolutely stand by, that being a rally driver is like being a good spin bowler uh, in cricket, in that, you know, you do, you serve your time. And, you know, spin bowlers, as we know, come into their own, you know, much later in their careers, or, or they sustain their careers a lot longer than, than a fast or medium pace bowler. This is the way it is with rallying. You know, you have to build on your experience and you need year after year um, to come back to these rallies. This is where, you know, people like Raikkonen and, and Ken Block really struggle because 
you get one shot at doing the the stages. Okay, you, you know most of the stages are repeated now, but you know it was the same with um, with Robert Kibitzer. He was so frustrated because you would you would go into a stage, you'd go off on a Friday morning, and that was it. You couldn't come back for the rest of that day, but you'd come back on the Saturday. But you missed all of that Friday stages, and you couldn't come back to them again till the following year. So you know you've wasted a year. Uh, and quite often these days, you know, you'll see a real dip in the times if a driver's had an accident the year before and they've and they've missed that opportunity to totally refine their pace notes and understand the road and the stage. Uh, and of course, Ogier, you know, he'd done uh, he'd done Spain for I don't know, t- you know, twelve times or something. So he had that base of knowledge. The fact that he'd been away for six years, it didn't matter. It didn't detract from that because he understood the road and he knew everything. Uh, and he had that sort of bank of, of data to go back to. Uh, so, yeah, that I mean, that's where rallying is absolutely built on this experience and, and the ability to to sort of second guess what the, what the weather would do to the road um, and what the corner cutting will do, what the road will look like. Um, but, yeah, he you know, he's just such an absolute master at, at doing that. Well, you spoke to Sebastian Loeb shortly after his victory, so let's hear what he had to say about it and also the possibility of further WRC outings. Sebastian, it's six years, six long years since you were, you were last here even on this rally. How, how does it feel to, to come back and, and win this event? Yeah, for sure, it's, it feels uh, really good. Um, I, when I started this season uh, doing three rallies, I didn't know what I would be able to achieve. Uh, six years later, you don't know if... I will. I had the feeling that I'm still able to drive, but uh, really on the top level uh, to, to reach the limit all the time is is not so so easy. But finally the feeling came back, and so uh, to be able to win again, it's just an incredible feeling. When when we saw you last win in six years ago, it, we were so used to it. You know, there was nothing new about you winning. You won your 70th WRC round here. But and we never really saw so much emotion. But it today, was my last victory also here. no, no, no. Huh? You had two more after that. Okay. <laughs> it was your last win here in 2012. Okay. Yeah, um, but the emotion we saw today was was something new. You you really wanted and you really fought for this one, didn't you? <laughs> yes, but um, especially also the situation makes it because uh, you you. It's not very often that I I won a rally, uh, and but I didn't know that I win it after the finish line. And uh, to discover it just like this, and to to wait and, and check the times, and that's something that makes it more exciting, uh, for sure. Uh, when you finish the rally with 30 seconds, uh, you start the last stage with 30 seconds lead, and you do a clean stage, you, yeah. are, you know you are okay. And in this situation, it was so close that I, I didn't know, so it makes it more exciting. And um, and also six years after, uh, I'm not used. Uh, to win like I was so it's a bit <laughs> new again yeah but we saw you really struggle with the car with the feeling with the understeer it was hard work wasn't it that before Saturday afternoon maybe it was hard work uh, every morning except this morning but uh, the first morning on, on the gravel was not easy to to get the feeling um, and then the second morning uh, w- when I had the feeling on gravel then we had to change the surface and yes. go on tarmac and plus wet tarmac with hard compound uh, well, the soft compound but uh, too hard for the condition we had so yeah. it's even more tricky more nervous and to, to get the feeling of the car in this condition uh, like my last uh, wet stage was six years ago uh, 
was not easy. Uh, so I had really to, to work hard, to, to push myself to, to be able to, to get this feeling back. I talked to Sven Smeets. Uh, we walked down the road together and, and we were trying to work out when we'd seen you really enjoy and kind of feel a win as much. And he, he thought Finland, your first win in Finland. Is it, can you see a comparison there? Difficult to say, but, uh, but I think the comparison can be that it was a fight until the, the end because it was a, a tough battle uh, with close gap and small gaps, and, and that makes it always uh, a bit special. In your career, your main WRC career, you didn't really do small gaps, did you? you not so much. <laughs> uh, not so much. It's for that that, uh, that uh, it feels even better. Finally, Sebastian, what you've been asked this question a million times, and I don't know. Okay, <laughs> it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's I won't uh, ask I you know. again. I don't know what uh, we'll do next year. At the moment, nothing is really precise, and uh, we will see. Well, Loeb seems to be hinting before that he wouldn't be making any more appearances in WRC, but this victory does seem to have changed things. So, what do you think of the chances of him making more WRC outings next year, whether it's with Citroen or perhaps even with another team? I, I think there's a there's a very strong chance now. Uh, you know, we we saw at the end of uh, Dakar at the start, you know, at the at the start of the year when he when he finished Dakar, he he wasn't terribly keen to go back. It was really hard work and everything. And just today we've seen that you know he will be going back as a privateer next year to Dakar. So you know he he knows what he likes. And I think at the time Dakar was hard work, but he he really enjoys that event. And what drives him for that thing is that he wants to win. Uh, and he, you know, there's an opportunity for him to go back and win it again. He is still massively driven by success. You know, people look at Loeb and think, you know, he's come and done these three rallies just to, just to get out of the house, just to have some fun. He didn't, you know, he wanted to win. He, you know, he, he wanted to win. He always wants to win, but he was also realistic enough to know that, um, it, you know, by in his own words, he said before Spain, it would be pretentious for me to talk about, uh, being among the, the front runners. But deep down, he knew probably that he still had the pace. Mexico and Corsica both showed that he got the pace. And that will carry over into next year. You know, he will want to get back in there and potentially win some more rallies. But the biggest, you know, the biggest problem with this this thing is is rallying itself. In that to get the best out of the car and everything on the event, you need to do the pre-event test. You need to do the recce. You know, it's not as simple as World Rallycross where you turn up on a Thursday night, possibly even a Friday morning, and you're gone, you're out of there by Sunday evening. You know, it's a full week, if not a week and a half, to do a European round, and the thick end of two weeks to do a to do a flyaway round. Um, and that's exactly the reason that Loeb left. You know, he didn't. He got the travelling all got on top of him, uh, and he didn't like being away from home that much. And so that you know that could be a limiting factor. But for me, I think we'll see him back with with you know perhaps five or six WRC rounds next year. Um, and you know it could be it could be Citroen, and as we've seen today, that you know Malcolm Wilson is very keen to talk to him about um, the potential for driving a Fiesta. Has the win really changed so much? I guess for anyone, it's a question of getting commercial backing, and certainly in the case of Citroen, it would be a third car, wouldn't it? And I guess any for anyone, it would either be a, a shared schedule or, or an extra car. So, does the win make a difference to the commercial landscape that makes it easier to put together something for Loeb or does the fact that he's won suddenly mean that he's motivated or is it because it convince people that he, he's worth having what what exactly has changed it did seem quite unlikely before 
I, I think it, you know, it has to, it has to change the, the commercial aspect of the deal because, you know, he's not, he's not a nine time, nine time champion that retired from the sport six years ago. Suddenly he's a current rally winner. And, you know, above anything, he's Sebastian Loeb. You know, he's the king, the god of our sport. You know, it's like trying to, when Schumacher came back, you know, it was a great story. And it was one that everybody was willing to get on the back of. And if if Loeb was to put together a, a, a programme of events for next year, undoubtedly, you know, I'm sure that they could find sponsorship. I'm sure, you know, it, for Citroen, it would be an absolute dream team. You know, they've, they've already got Sebastian Ogier in, in the car as their number one driver. To put Loeb in alongside him would be sensational. It would be an amazing story if they could do that for Monte Carlo, for Corsica, for some of these events. Uh, it, it would be tremendous for them. Um, but equally, you know, there is the, the reality that we've seen that, that Sebastian Ogier is a five-time world champion. He's been with M Sport for, for, for the last two years and there's not, you know, there's not a title sponsor, uh, with the team. So it is a very hard sell, um, into the championship right now. But I, I think that, you know, surely there must be something that can be done to get Loeb out, um, on a, on a selection of events next year. It would also be quite amusing if if it is a Citroen thing. You've got uh, Auger going back there, and of course, it was it was kind of this town isn't big enough for the both of us that led to Auger leaving originally, wasn't it? it yeah, that, I mean, it was. I've never never known uh, an atmosphere as toxic as it was in at Citroen in two thousand and eleven. It was it was at that time. I have to say that it was the most exciting job in the world that I was doing because you you couldn't believe some of the stuff that was being said, you know, in Greece and, and Germany, you know, they were massively a team totally divided. Um, and when it was Germany, I think where Ogier was leading, uh, and he was told to essentially to stand down, uh, and let Loeb through. And then Loeb, of course, got his puncture and Ogier arrived at the end of the stage and said something like, you know, today we saw justice done. Um, it was, you know, you can't imagine how toe curling it would have been for the for the Citroen chief executive who was actually on that event as well. But it was great. It made for great stories and it was great copy. And the rivalry was super intense between the two of them. Um, but it's it's amazing now how much it's changed. You know, at the end of the event when uh, Loeb got to the end of of Spain and jumped on the bonnet and realised he'd won and was celebrating. You know, Auger ran and jumped on the bonnet and hugged. Um, Daniel Ellen and, and Loeb at the same time. And, you know, it just, in his own words, he said it felt natural. You know, he was so taken with the whole thing. Um, it was great. And, you know, they are now great mates. Um, and it, so I think it would be, you know, obviously it would be a very, very different, uh, environment that he'd be going back into, uh, Loeb with Ogier there. Uh, and it would make for a heck of a strong team. Yeah, and I guess from Ogier's perspective, just having a part-time lobe there is uh, is, is much less of a problem than uh, having a full-time one. But I, I guess we can rule out, based on what you're saying, the chance of Loeb ever trying to put together a, a full-time WRC campaign. He's absolutely not willing to commit the huge amount of time needed to do that. No, he he doesn't want to do that. And, you know, what he's enjoyed most recently is the fact that he's been able to, to do different stuff. You know, he did Dakar and then he's a rally cross and rallying as well. He really enjoyed that, that variety as well. But, you know, when it, as he said himself, you know, when it comes down to it, rallying is his discipline. Uh, and that's what he really enjoys and what he excels. Um, so yeah, I, I think we could, uh, we could see him out for a few, uh, and it would, it would be fantastic. You know, it would add such value and it would give Citroen, real peace of mind because on on events like Corsica and Monte, you know, just to have that experience 
Um, I asked some of the engineers, you know, what was it like when Loeb was was making this decision on the Sunday morning about the hard tyre? I said, you know, was it really intense? What was he doing? And they said, no, he was lying on the sofa on the phone to his gravel crew. Um, and he was completely relaxed. Okay, you know, he wasn't happy with the decision of putting softs on. Uh, and talking to Pierre Boudard as well, you know, he said, the team principal, he said it was difficult because he said we could see that Loeb wasn't completely convinced in his own mind. And Pierre said, you know, when he changed his mind at the last minute, he said, I was actually really glad because you could tell. And, you know, any degree of hesitancy in a driver, it undermines the confidence. And when you're going into the final four stages of a rally, you know, with six drivers within 16 seconds, you need every bit of confidence you can find. And Loeb got that, you know, the... The minute he got some heat into those tyres, and he said it didn't take long, a couple of corners and they were working, you know, suddenly everything would just flow. It would become much more natural for him. And he'd know in the back of his mind, as the stage progressed, he'd know that those medium tyres that everybody else was on, they would start to be going off, they'd start to lose the edge. He'd still got it. And, you know, it just gives you that ability to keep pushing and pushing. Uh, And that's what he did, uh, just brilliantly. Well, you mentioned Pierre Bidard there, and you had a chat to the Citroen team boss after the rally. He had a little bit to say about the chances of Loeb continuing next season, so uh, here's what he had to say. It's been a long and eventful 12 months since we stood here with Chris Meek winning for you last year. How do you feel now after everything that's gone on this year? Uh, uh, of course, uh, we, we are very pleased with this result uh, now, uh, one, hour, sorry, one complete year after the, the, the latest one. It, of course, it's it's a wonderful uh, result for for the team, and uh, it's uh, even more uh, uh, wonderful with uh, Seb, Love. Uh, what what he has been able to achieve this weekend is just uh, fantastic. Did you ever? Did you genuinely think it could be done? You know, when uh, when you when you start a rally with a driver, you think it's possible. And we are not here to just to drive. Or we are not here to just uh, for uh, for fun. Huh? We, we we start to, to try to, to win. But we know how what is the level of the championship. It's so high, and uh, how it's difficult to 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 be in in, in the fight until the end. Anything can happen any time, and uh, so we can expect. We can uh, hope. But uh, you never know if it's possible or not. Everything was against him, though. You know, he had the hard tyre with some damp patches on the gravel, and then, you know, suddenly uh, to to drive when he hadn't tested or driven on on tarmac in the rain for six years. And Friday, it just, Friday afternoon, the confidence came to him, and the results seemed to be there, didn't it? Yeah. In fact, uh, yes, uh, what is uh, stunning is how fast he is able to. to be uh, to be in the in a good rhythm, uh, even if he didn't practice for a long time. But uh, yeah, on on Friday afternoon we have probably made made, made a, a good choice of tire. It was a bit limit for the latest one, uh, but probably for the complete loop it was not a bad one. What uh, this morning, of course, was very, a very good one. Uh, but what is very impressive uh, from from uh, from Seb and Daniel is uh, even when they don't have the, the best tires, even when they are not in the best situation uh, uh, set up and wh- whatever, they manage with it. They can manage with it, and they can go through the stage without losing too much time. And uh, yeah, that's that's fun, wonderful. It's a real 
it's a yeah it's it's a real uh, skill uh, I think it's very less drivers can do that and now the inevitable question uh, next year is there, is there any chance we will see him back with you again next year <laughs> we never know <laughs> but uh, it's not decided yet uh, we didn't discuss uh, we have many things to settle to, to be able to answer to this question so we have to we have to work on it uh, we didn't even discuss with Seb on uh, what can we do and on our side we need also to uh, to achieve some discussion with our partner to make uh, possible to have a Ford car or not so everything we don't know today well while Loeb is best known as a nine times WRC champion this victory just adds to the legend since his rallying so-called retirement he's won in World Rally Cross he's won in the FIGT championship in World Touring Cars and he's fought for victory on the Dakar and of course in the past he's finished second at Le Mans we've seen him out in things like the Porsche Super Cup so he's a he's a very sort of multi-discipline driver now you mentioned that he's still motivated to win but he also uh, seems to have a wider motivation to master as many different things as he can and he's a, he's a handy circuit uh, circuit racing driver so how, how would you kind of encapsulate Sebastian Loeb would you have guessed 10-12 years ago that this is the kind of thing he'd have done after his rallying retirement? I'm not sure because I think you know he carried on in the WRC for a lot longer than I really thought he he would you know he, he obviously started out and he stayed with Citroen and then we talked earlier about the, the chance for him to go to M Sport. In at the end of two thousand and five, uh, he went and tested um, one of Malcolm Wilson's focuses up in up in Cumbria, uh, and you know at the time nobody knew it was kept very completely top secret. Um, and Malcolm Wilson actually asked him to to sign a pair of driving gloves that he used on a day. And Malcolm, you know, he still got them in his office, and he really appreciates the fact that Loeb came up and tested the car. Ultimately, this was at the time when. Uh, Citroen actually withdrew from the championship for the single season. You'd probably remember he drove the blue Zara for, for one year. Um, because it was a, it was a private car. It was run by Kronos Racing, uh, while Citroen was away developing the, the C4. Uh, and obviously Citroen then came back in 2007 as an official team. Uh, and Loeb decided to stay with them. He didn't go, obviously didn't go to Malcolm. I thought at the end of that C4 time, I thought that was when he'd retire at the end of, I think it was 2010. He didn't, you know, he stayed on um, and then ultimately then he retired at the end of 12, but he had a part program in 13. And that was when we really saw him. Obviously, he started to move into into World Tourers. But before then, he'd done he'd done Le Mans. Uh, he tested the Formula One car with Red Bull and he'd come very close to racing uh, with, with Red Bull. That was one of his big disappointments was that he didn't get, I can't remember now, I think it was at Abu Dhabi or somewhere that he was going to race and they didn't give him a, a super license, um, which was a real shame. But, you know, even at that time, you could see that he had ambitions then beyond beyond just rallying. But as I say, I was surprised he stayed as long as he did because he'd been around for a while. Um, but it didn't really matter, you know, when he'd finished in, in rallying, he'd got so much energy and enthusiasm for doing other stuff um, that, you know, he went and he did, what did he do, two years in world touring cars or something. And then so much other stuff, you know, some GT racing. Uh, and he is. You know, for me, he's one of the most naturally gifted and naturally talented drivers um, that I've ever, ever reported on and and watched as an enthusiast, you know, across any discipline. And I, I was actually on Sunday afternoon, I was talking to, to Sven Smeets about this. We were walking down the road together to the, uh, to the in control. And I said to Sven, you know, when, because Sebastian was really quite emotional at the end of the the last stage in, in Spain. And I said to Sven, you know, when can you remember him? him 
been like this. And Sven, you know, in the in the interview, I mentioned it there that you know it was Finland the first time we won in Finland. Uh, Sven was obviously the team manager at Citroen, so he knew him very well. Uh, and he said, you know, that that event, he was similar. You know, he was quite emotional. And the reason for that was in Finland. I think it was 08 when he won Finland for the first time. Loeb had to drive outside of himself. He had to take himself to a place that he didn't really like going. You know, he had to. It was the 11th, 10th, if you like, that he had to put in to win that event. And he didn't know how it was going to end up. And he actually was almost quite scared because, you know, Finland is a place that it is absolutely terrifying you have to be flying over these crests at 120 miles an hour completely blind you know you put a 100% faith in in what you're being told from the bloke next door and you just go for it and that was never how Sebastian Loeb drove he always had this tiny margin that he could just if he had to he could dip into it and so infrequently in his career did we ever see him dip into it you know perhaps you know potentially it's a, it's a reflection on the competition at the time but you know guys like Marcus Gronholm and Petter Solberg these were sensational drivers themselves and it just shows that you know Loeb could beat them at sort of 90 98 99% uh, of his potential and he rarely ever crashed um and yeah so it, he he's an exceptional talent um and you know to come back on and do what he did in spain you know it's he's the guy's a bit of a freak in the nicest possible way and i guess the fact that he does keep coming back because he must have made uh made plenty of money over the years just shows how how driven he is by by competition that he can't just draw a line under it and uh and, and do something else it clearly needs us to be part of his life he does, you know, we see it, we see it so often, you know, he's got a, a Peugeot 306 Maxi, a car that he never, you know, the car that uh, Gilles Panizzi, Francois Delacour drove, this naturally aspirated front wheel drive, screaming two litre thing that Loeb never competed in, but really loved, you know, it was a car that he grew up really enjoying, and so he's bought himself one of those, and he'll go and do um course car or something on you know mont blanc rally or something like that you know he pops up in the most remarkable places just competing or just you know just out in the sport for the for the fun of it and he absolutely you know he is a rally driver through and through uh there's there's no doubt about that and he's absolutely for me you know one of the best and a true legend and proves it once again on sunday well, there are, of course, a few other drivers in the World Rally Championship. You briefly mentioned it earlier, the, the title battle that's set up. Obviously, it'll be uh, Rally Australia. We'll decide it starts on November the 15th. Sebastian Auger leads Terry Neville by three points. So it's a winner-takes-all finale. And I think, I haven't checked the points, Ike Tanak's still got an outside chance, a very outside chance, hasn't he, of, of, uh, of stealing it if, some, if results really go his way. He has, yeah. I think, I mean, he really needs both Ogier and Neville to retire for him to, to come into play. But, uh, but yeah, it is, you know, it's going to be an absolute thriller. It's the, the closest title battle, I think, since 09. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's one that's been building all year. Uh, it's kind of ebbed and flowed in, in each other's driver's favour. But, um, but, you know, Ogier was, was once again superb, uh, in, in Spain. And, quite could consider himself quite unlucky not to have not to have won the event uh he feels quite aggrieved that uh that they got the tire choice wrong they got the weather calls wrong consistently through the rally um but ultimately you know he put the points down and and, and finished second and Thierry it was another struggle for him you know he rolled at shakedown Struggled, obviously, first on the road for the reasons we talked about earlier. So he was cleaning the road, struggled, and was the bottom end of the top 10 on, on Friday. But I have to say, 
there was nobody better than Thierry Neville on Saturday. You know, as soon as the, the rain came, he was superb. He was absolutely brilliant. And, and for me, Neville kept himself right at the forefront of that championship battle on Saturday. He was, he drove those, those roads quicker than anybody. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be an absolute thriller. Ogier is in a difficult position. Uh, you know, he's taken a three point lead, but he takes that to Australia, the place, the place, you know, there's a couple of rallies, there's Mexico, Sardinia. You don't want to be first on the road because it's so hot and it is, you know, it's the height of a New South Wales summer. So rain, it's, although it's rained, I understand quite consistently down there for the last couple of weeks it you know it would be very surprising if that rain continued and it's so hot during the day that it will dry out very quickly and the roads clean like heck uh you know we are we're looking at quite a big margin between the first and the sort of fifth sixth car on the road so Ogier will really struggle to be anywhere near the sort of top six or seven cars uh, on the first day but for him we've seen him win Australia from the front before he has the potential there's probably the only guy in the world that's better at driving and winning from first on the road is Sebastian Loeb because he spent you know so many years leading the championship and having to do just that Um, but it psychologically Ogier is much better for me at dealing with that whole running first on the road thing. Uh, Neville has struggled a little bit with it this year, um, but it's you know let's not forget he's only going to be one car back. Neville's right behind him, uh, and then obviously Tanak's third. Uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be an absolute thriller. It does seem that because it, it does seem that the Hyundai package is is strong, maybe stronger overall than the. The, the, the M Sport Fiesta. So is it a question of kind of Ogier's championship winning now? So the fact he's been here time and time again before, the fact Neville has never won the WRC title and, you know, that, that brings a different pressure, doesn't it? You know, when you're going for your, what would it be, sixth title, it's a very different proposition to the, to the first one, isn't it? It is, you know, absolutely. You know, Thierry is going to be trying, you know, you hold on so tight, don't you? Because you're so desperate and I'm sure, you know, he's going to be the more tense of the two. Um, because he's still got a championship to prove, uh, and, and Ogier absolutely hasn't. For me, you know, the, I think the cars are very, very e- evenly matched. Uh, if anything, you'd have to say that Hyundai's probably had some more technical issues than, than the Fiesta recently. Uh, the Fiesta's got some more engine coming, some more engine work coming, uh, hopefully in time for Australia to give them a couple more horsepower. Um, so we'll just have to see, but you know, it's, the cars are incredibly close. You know, so it's from that perspective, it's absolutely brilliant because it's it's all about the driver, it's all about the crew, it's all about what they can do um, on the day. And these roads, you know, in in around Coffs Harbour, they are superb. They're great, great stages. Um, so it, it's going to be a, a superb event. And I guess it is a shame that Tanak's not properly in that fight because he's had such a strong season. The last two events haven't gone for him, and he and he should be right in there by rights. He should, you know. The, the I mean. He could quite comfortably, he, we could be sitting on the back of, of six back-to-back wins here. You know, he should have won Wales uh, and he really should have won in um, in Spain as well. It's He was very fortunate in Turkey. He wasn't the quickest. The car, the package, it, it wasn't as good in Turkey as it should have been. It was a little bit fragile. Um, but he rode his luck there. You know, everybody else, obviously we saw Thierry and, and Seb very publicly have their issues and, and fixing the cars at the side of the road. Um, and, and Tanak came through and won that event. But that rally aside, he has absolutely bossed every other event uh, this year. And for me, that package, 
absolutely should be fighting for a world championship um and it's a it's a bit of a travesty that it's not but you know it's a mechanical sport isn't it and and these things can go wrong um and you know obviously the, the puncture interestingly when he had his puncture at that stage on uh, on saturday i did the maths and he and neville at that point without the power stage points he and neville would have been joint on points with I think Ogier was three points behind or something it was very very close and you know you could see the championship promoter was salivating at the prospect of having three drivers within three points of each other going into the final round so it is a shame um but Tanek's time will come you know he's a massively quick driver and you know that car will absolutely come out next year and particularly you know with such a strong team with with Chris Meek in there and and Latvala's experience you know Toyota will be a real force next year and it's going to be a, an interesting season for them but it's not dead yet you know anything can happen with with Thierry and with Seb um and wouldn't it just be the thing at, right at the last if 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 Oit stole through and uh, and won it for himself well you wouldn't roll anything out the way this this championship's gone it's been a, it's been a, a fantastic season yeah so november the 15th rally australia you will be out there bringing us all the news so uh, check out autosport.com for all the latest news on rallying the rest of the world of motorsport our plus subscriber area where for a small fee you can read the world's best motorsport journalists uh, opinion columns features interviews the lot check out sister titles f1 racing magazine out monthly and motorsport.com and if you fancy a flutter download the pit stop betting app thanks for joining us We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.